0: Our scripture today comes from Acts 2, 40 through 47. And with many other words, he bore witness and continued to exhort them, saying, Save yourselves from this crooked generation. So those who received his word were baptized, and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
1: Thank you, Amy. Thank you. All right, a long time ago, a long time ago, uh, my wife and I were into this show called Trading Spaces where, um, you know, they'd swap the rooms from the house and decorate your neighbor's house. And, uh, and that bled into an interesting reality show with a play on words, "trading spouses," which is not like trading spaces, uh, but what it is is uh, they match um, like a really organized family with a real hip bohemian person who's, who, who swaps for I don't know what the certain time is, it was it four weeks, something like that. And it makes for spicy um, reality television, because they're so different. Um, but, but the, the, the popularity of that show is this, is when uh, someone new comes into the house, um, what is the community gonna look like now? All right, so with the coming of the Holy Spirit in Acts 2, uh, we have kind of a spicy question. With the Holy Spirit in residence, What is this community going to look like now? And we get that. So this is the shape we're going this evening is um, uh, something um, full of dynamism happened. And I don't mean uh, dynamism like dynamite, like a one-time explosion. I mean dynamism in power that is extended. So something happened. So what was distinctive and incredible and attractive to to not just these new Christians, but uh, the watching people around these new Christians. So what was it that was distinctive and incredible? And then the second thing is, um, but but why was it new and distinctive and attractive? Like what was was beneath it? And then I I borrowed this from Robert Frost, Ever Fresh and Fresh, that's from Robert Frost, is, Uh, I I wanna look at this is the same spirit occupies the same church here in 2022 in San Gabriel Valley. And uh, we can romanticize the early church to a degree and say, oh, but that would never happen here. Uh, There is a revival of sorts that you rediscover original genius and then you make it new again And so we long for that, but that's that's the last thing I'm going to cover is what that looks like for us. So uh, the 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 coming of the Holy Spirit, we've said this really marks um, the first time we have never seen the people of God as a community like this ever. Not even in the Old Testament. We we saw the Holy Spirit with His people, let's say in a column of fire, right on a mountain, but we've never seen His community of people all having the Holy Spirit. So this is first timer. This is first time kind of stuff. And um, so we, we have to ask the question, what was distinctive? What was incredible? Um, uh, this, is, this is really, really general, but, but um, uh, there is a human scoreboard that um, we all have kind of fallen into, but for sure, the broader world keeps a human scoreboard of a life in these ways. And um, it can be this, is where are you from? Now that could be skin, it could be accent, it could be actual geography. Um, This has happened to you guys wherever you've traveled in the world. I've been in Guatemala, I've been in Thailand. It doesn't matter where it is, but quickly, quickly, you discover a hierarchy of, of people based on skin and place. Quickly. It doesn't matter where you are in the world. You can be like, oh, oh, they don't live in Guatemala City. They're, out th- they're indigenous people out there. It, immediately, where you're from, how you talk, becomes a, sword, a, a human scoreboard. We find ways to be, and we, wouldn't, we would never voice this out loud, of course, because you're good and proper people, but you kind of, you're like, I'm sort of a cut above them. Um, Angelinos and New Yorkers are the worst at it. Um, I I, I felt this in my, well, no, we'd have to trim that out of the podcast. All right. Um, (laughs) I'm not going to go there. All right. Another one is where you go to school. There is a micro, there's micro bragging and micro levels of um, how you were educated. What was your pedigree, like what was your pathway of education? And it's how humans keep score. And it's how we know we're like, well, I mean, I would never say this out loud, but I'm sort of better than you right? We'd never say it out loud. Another one is this, is um, a way to keep score with other humans is uh, how high are you in your position? Like whatever your track is, whatever your vocation is, like where are you? And humans keep score that way. Like, oh, you're there. We, We know where to put you and um, we, th- we either feel inferior to other people who are in different positions, or we feel superior to other people if they're below. Uh, another one is um, a, a, a biological designation, male and female. Now, I know that c- takes on other tones now, that's not gonna be the scope of the sermon, uh, but, uh, and we'll talk about that at a different time, sexual ethics for sure. But with male and female, it's interesting is even now, my daughter is a freshman at Purdue, you guys know that. Um, and uh, it's funny, she said in the engineering building, she said uh, <laughs> there's like tons of male bathrooms, but there are very few female bathrooms and she has to like go up a few levels to go to away. So still in a very progressive university setting, um, there are, there's a pecking order based on male and female. Uh, uh, how much money you make and how many toys you have. What kind of toys do you have? That becomes a human scoreboard of just like, I can. Um, we all do this, and it's not necessarily a good thing, but we could all do it to each other. We could just see what cars you drive, where's your address, what I c- and we could be like, huh, you're about there. I don't have to see your tax returns, but you're about there, and a lot of us feel inferior to that or superior because of it. Okay, so that's a human scoreboard. Now, this is what's really interesting is um, this is the first religion in all of human history, and I'm including Judaism there because Judaism got locked up in um, racial purity. So this is the first time we see in all of human history, and I'm going to quote some historians here in a second, where um, uh, it accepted all nations and all ethnicities and all tribes and races, and they weren't just accepted. Our text says this, is that um, they were treated as family. Other people started selling their stuff and giving it to people who were a different race. That is remarkable. Now, I'm going to say this one time because it needs to be said is, There's a lot of universal things that Christianity has given our culture that we assume everybody has always held to, and yet I'm going to submit to you, and I'm going to tell you, the historians is this is the first time in human history we're beginning to see like this is a radical new idea, and humanity humanitarianism didn't come up with this. All right, Um, for the first time, um, the learned. Christianity was for the learned and the illiterate. If you, if you look at, if you, I'm, not, I'm referencing the historians, but if you look at the historians, they said um, the Greco, Greco-Roman philosophies were actually only for the noble, elite, and lettered. And Christianity shows up on the scene and says, actually, it is simple, and, it is simple enough for the un- lettered, the illiterate, think disciples, to get it. And yet, it is robust and profound enough where it begins to shape its own amazing academic philosophy that goes toe-to-toe with Greco-Roman philosophy. So, both the lettered and the unlettered. Um, For the first time, a religion accepted both slave and and master. Now you don't may not think that's a big deal because you're like, well, it's slavery's wrong today. I know that. No, no, no. This was some. Um, uh, at one point, over two thirds of the population um, was owned or indebted to another person. We got to remember that most of human history has not been how we've experienced it. Okay. So the master in Christianity, the master when he came to the community of believers, the master had no superiority in the com- superiority in a Christian community. Like their their status as master and owner of human beings, which is crazy, yes you know that. It had no sway in the Christian community. At the same time, the slave could come into a Christian community and he had no inferiority because of his slaveness. He could sit side by side with his master in a Christian community in a whole new light. That is revolutionary. For the first time in uh, uh, human history, both men and women, as Christianity defined it, became inheritors of eternal awesomeness. If, if, you, if you look in Galatians, we're not gonna go into it, it's not the scope, but, but Paul purposely says, men and women are sons and daughters and they're both inheritors. Like, this isn't just Christianity being cool and progressive now in 2022. This is bizarrely new if you look back. But, like, this is new ground. Um, uh, uh, the rich and the poor Um, James touches on this, if you guys know James. So the rich, with all of their rings, couldn't roll in and say, hey, I would like section A, one through eight, for me and my posse. Nope, that doesn't go in Christianity. No, actually, we can put the dude in rags right there. Now, in 2022, the front row seats are not that valuable. I get that. But this, this, all right, so this is the consensus from all, uh, most biblical historians, and I'm including the non-Christian historians here. So what were they doing? Acts 2, 2 uh, 242, it says this, there's this little phrase that says, and they devoted themselves to, and it gives, it gives us a list. Okay, what were they devoting themselves to? And it gives us a list. What, what is that word, devote? It means that they were giving their lives away to something. It means they were giving their lives away to something. Now, I'm gonna to submit to you, you guys have been in church, is all of us, regardless if you're into Christianity or not, all of us are giving our lives away to something. And it can be your kids, it can be work, but guess what, all of us. Bob Dylan was right, right? What's the quote? <laughs> you gotta serve somebody. Thank you, Bob Dylan fans, all three of you. Okay. They were devoting. They were giving themselves away. And this is the amazing thing: is it had to be attractive in some sense because why would all of these randos? Hey, that's my hip new speech, right? Why would they? Why would they flock to it? I love what Kelly said: the aroma of Jesus. Um, there's a historian, um, Kenneth Scott Lothrette, um, Went to Yale. And, and notice what I did there, I'm using the human scoreboard on you. Uh, that's, a, that's a preacher rhetorical trick. I am going to use something you respect as a bridge to prove my point. <laughs> Don't tell anybody. We'll edit that out of the podcast. All right, Kenneth Scott Lateret. Uh, uh, I, I mispronounced it, Lateret. this is a longish quote, I put it on the screen. But it's good, it's good. Just bear with me, long quotes stink. If you're in public speaking, don't do long quotes, says the pastor. All right, so uh, this is Kenneth, he says, more than any of its competitors, Christianity attracted all races and classes. Judaism never quite escaped from its racial bonds. Christianity, however, gloried in its appeal to Jew and Gentile, Greek and barbarian. The Greek and Roman philosophies never really won the allegiance of the masses. They appealed primarily to the educated, the morally and socially cultured. Christianity drew the lowly and unlettered, yet also developed a philosophy of its own which commanded the respect of many of the educated. Christianity, too, was for both sexes, whereas two of its main rivals were primarily for men. And the church welcomed both rich and poor. No other religion took in so many groups and strata of society. The question must be raised, and this is why I read the quote. Because we've, we've got to ask the question, why this unprecedented comprehensiveness came to appear first in the world in Christianity? That's a huge question. Why does it show up then? Okay, we see the comprehensiveness. Why did it show up then? Okay, and that moves us to our second point, why? Why was this new? Why was this different? Why was this tr- incredibly attractive? All right. I'm going to submit to you that it starts with the birth of Jesus, because it unlocks what is happening here in Acts 2. Um, Philippians 2 says that um, Jesus emptied himself, right, emptied himself um, in the birth of Jesus. We call this uh, the incarnation. In the birth of Jesus, Colossians 1 tells us that the fullness of deity was pleased to dwell in Jesus, Okay, so we call this the incarnation. Um, When Jesus was about to die, so fast forward from birth, incarnation, emptied himself, becomes man. Let's fast forward 33 years to when he's about to die. He prays a prayer to his father in the Garden of Gethsemane. And he prays this prayer. He says, this, this is from John 17. Some people call it the high priestly prayer, but he says this. As you sent me into this world, so I have sent them into the world, and for their sake I consecrate myself that they also may be sanctified in truth. Okay, some translations have um, uh, sanctify myself. Some translates, uh, t- translations, which I agree with more because it's the actual word used in Acts. You know what it says? And for their sake, I devote myself. To them, that's money. That's like spiritual money. Uh, 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 You sent me so that I would give myself away to them. He's emptying self. He's losing all respectability and reputation so that you, you, me, like I would have a better name. And standing with people—that's that's great. He's giving himself away. So Tim, you have a—you will be esteemed greater than you actually were. Um, this new community of Christians um, realized for the very first time in history that this seeing Jesus was ultimate reality. What do I mean by that? Like they'd seen the ultimate ideal. Well, oh, 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 yeah, that is life how it should be. That's how it's like. That's how, that, that's incredible. If God does this in Jesus, it's, and Jesus is the God we can understand, going back to Colossians 1, it really is a new, it, he becomes this ideal of which we should base culture and race relations and human dignity, and he is the base. If he, he becomes this new, we're like, oh, that's what we should base my life and all of like, like communal life on. All right. It's wildly different from the human scoreboard, and this is what I mean by that. I run to those things, that human score, and can we put that, yeah, I run to those things like you probably do, because I run there to get some glory from it. Isn't that true? I get glory from those things, and this is the amazing thing, is, um, Jesus doesn't need glory from any of those things because he gets glory from his father. So, so, so check this out. He comes from the Trinity, the best neighborhood of all time. Right? And he limits himself to, I mean, let's laughably, one of the weakest nations in, on earth. And he's like, and I'm going to make it harder. I'm going to be at the worst part of the weakest nation, and I'm going to have a backwater twang. What? Why can, why can he do that? Because he doesn't get glory from it. I don't need glory from it. How great is that? All right. Uh, he, Jesus has—now, I know the people start calling him rabbi because they're like, wow, he's blowing some real wise stuff our way. He had no educational pedigree. He didn't study with a, like a famous rabbi like Paul did, like Gamaliel, he didn't do that. Um, and all of the guys that Jesus rolls with are blue collar, paps blue ribbon drinkers. Like, like they're just, they, they, they can't read. They may have like four teeth in their head. I don't know if they're brushing their teeth on the Galilee. I don't know, you don't know. But they're definitely lower class. They're definitely uneducated. How can he do that? I don't need glory from what I've crammed in my head authorized by another institution or individual. I don't get my glory there. All right, um, what's your position? Do you know Jesus had no official position ever in life? None. Um, he, he didn't have access to the temple. He didn't have like a badge. Oh, oh, I'm Jesus. That's, this gets me in. Like, he's not part of a scribal think tank where everyone was just like, awesome. He, not part of the Sanhedrin. That would, have been a, that would have been a baller good move. That would have been a great career move. Get on the Sanhedrin, Jesus. Get on the Sanhedrin. No, he doesn't need glory from that. He gets glory from his father. Tim, you're beating a dead horse here. I feel like I can make connections now. Okay. Um, how much money you make and how many toys we have, that's, we get our glory there. Look, he makes an entrance into Jerusalem, and you're like, okay, Jesus, this is your shot. Please don't mess this up. And he comes in a borrowed donkey. It's like the Dodgers going on their victory parade in a, in a, in a citation. Is the slide up there? Give me the citation. You remember the citation. You don't remember the citation, yeah? There's a reason why. Um, he didn't, uh, and we all know this. We know the people in our networks that are um, leprosy to our careers, right? They're cluts, they're idiots, they're awkward, they're, they're they've low EQ, they're maybe possibly sociopaths. Um, uh, and we're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I am not going to hang with them in my career path because they will drive my career into the ground. And, and because we're getting glory from our networks. And Jesus says, it meant this. He got his glory from his father and it meant like, I can be around hookers and traders and tax collectors and sinners. Like it, I can do that because guess what? Their ick doesn't mess up my jam. I get my glory from my father. I get my glory from my father. All right, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna go on. Uh, we may have a, a few here, and, and I love it that we make, you all make this an awesome place. Of those like working out their doubts and skepticisms of Christianity, this is kinda of for you, it's like a few sentences for you. Um, I I just want you to know your idea of universal human rights for all. I've got to tell you, all the historians, you've got to go do your own research here, but all the historians will tell you, Christian and non Christian alike, is that came from Christianity. I I challenge you to find it wherever it came from. It wasn't like, it wasn't like, um, it wasn't like these new Christians with the Holy Spirit sat down and had a committee meeting and they're like, "Okay, okay, we're going to get a whiteboard and 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 everyone brainstorm hard. I mean, get serious, lock in, focus. How can we be the nicest people ever?" And and they came up with a whiteboard and like universal human rights and dignity. No one had thought of it before. Do you know why this came about? It's because the God man became humble to nothing. And then that meant, like, you can't find a person lower than Jesus. Wait, what did the preacher say? You cannot find a person lower than Jesus. You cannot find a person lower than Jesus. Um, No, no, no. These group of people, they were just gripped by the truth of Jesus. Jesus. And they were confronted with this God of humility and kindness, and they were watching that perfect form of reality. The perfect, the wow—that's that's what life should be. Okay, now to the Christians, you all. Um, this is for the same the same spirit that occupied those Christians is the same spirit that occupies you all, Jesus followers who have put your faith there. So, let's look at what happened. Well, what do they did? What do they do? We have the Spirit now. What Acts two forty two? They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. It sounds like they were learning a lot of theology and new things about the Word and how it attached to Jesus. That sounds so Presbyterian to me. They were learning. They were learning. They were learning. They were book learning. What else? Acts two forty seven, They were praising God and having favor with all the people. Um, I, I love this is because um, what that describes is that there was dynamic worship that was happening. It was not rote, it was not mechanical, it was not drudgery, and it was not Gregorian chants. There was dynamic worship, and then, this is the amazing thing, is how it's connected, is that in that joyfulness, the people, they have favor with people because worship does create some sort of joy. You guys have heard this when when we have Gabe and Will and Cheryl and Taylor, and you know when we're locked in and we're, we're like, what does it do? You're like, this is bigger than me and I may even clap my hands now, and I'm an introvert. See, so, so they were learning, but you know what that sounds like? That sounds very Pentecostal and charismatic to me. The learning part sounded Presbyterian, but this part sounds a little charismatic. Um, Acts 2:46. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts. This sounds really church-planty and organic and local. I've been reading about Watchman Nee, Korean guy, who, 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 who actually, you know, church-planting and a hyper-local reality of church, it's not an original idea. But Watchman Nee repopulized it. And he says, no, we have to know each other. And we have to have our homes open in hospitality to all. Um, Acts two forty seven. What else did they do? I'm going to submit to you that this is still happening, by the way. So it's not some romanticized vision of what's happening back in Acts two. But you're like, oh, I've been learning things. I I get in. I get into the dynamic worship. I get into the dynamic worship. I wow. I've been at other people's houses, and I have friends here. What else? Acts 2.47. Um, uh, Praising God and having favor with all the people, and the Lord added to their number, day by day, those who were being saved. It sounds like there is some relentless speaking outward to other people, not in the community, and it sounds really evangelistic and sort of kind of missionary-like. That sounds very Baptist to me. The Baptists are crushing us in evangelism. It's still happening, though. Acts 2, 45. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And they were just giving their money away to, like, positive things that were causing renewal in their community. That sounds very mainline. That's, that sounds like Episcopals and, like, 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 whoa, you know, like, I'm not... I'm not sure I'm comfortable. Do you see this? Is you pick one of those, it's not a healthy church. But you see all of those in action with spirit occupied, You're like, this is a dynamic moving church. And I'm going to submit to you, in his way and word and shaping over our community, I'd submit to you, it's still happening. I, I, I have seen this. Selling their possessions and giving it away. Tim, I don't know if I've seen that. You know what? I've got an example. I'm not going to say their names. But I have seen a family make a really, what we would call, a dumb investment decision. And they knew it was dumb for the advantage of another family. I am praying towards those things. You, I know a lot of you are praying towards those things. Because it is based on a Jesus who did not get his glory from the human scoreboard, but he got his glory from his Father. And that's where we're getting our glory too. It's still happening. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus precious Jesus you have given the spirit he is here We have seen these things happen in fragments and in some in greater measure, but we're praying for all of these things that they were giving their lives away towards. Like we want, we want that. And we know this. We don't chase after them so they will go greater, Jesus. We know this, is that we receive you more and understand you more and worship you and get you, and then we will, all of that will be thrown in. So Jesus, let us know you. Together. Let us know you in a greater way, we pray. Amen.